Hello again, and welcome back to the Fear and Beer podcast, where we talk all things horror, horror nights, and just a dash of beer. I'm Nick. And I'm Seamus. Episode 11. So here we are again, Fear and Beer, one week removed from No Halloween Horror Nights. So sad. So we got a little bit of a different episode that's going to be kind of hopefully a reoccurring thing throughout our off season, but just a quick little Horror Nights house cleaning. We are aware there's new shirts, there's the new speculation map from the Horror Night Nightmares guys out there. But we're going to talk about that next week. We got about 47 more episodes to fill until yeah, we'll figure that next year. So we got we got to string stuff along as long as possible. So today we're going to kind of dub these episodes or whenever we do more as killer beer reviews with Kevin. So Seamus, want to kind of bring our guest in? Yeah. So if you haven't figured it out, we got a special guest tonight. Ooh, special. His name is <laughs> Kevin. He may or may not be related to us. But uh, he's got a couple it's YouTube channels. Definitely related to uh, us. One's beer specific. I'll let him kind of explain to you what he does. But we brought him in to kind of go over some horror themed <laughs> beers and talk about a movie tonight to kind of just you know shoot the shit, shoot the shit <laughs> about it, and see what he thinks about the movie and the beer. And because beer and movie can't go wrong. Why not? All right, yeah, exactly. Why not? This is the off season, baby. <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't crack open a beer when you're watching a movie? And we figured just as a filler. So we got today instead of just that one beer that we're kind of pushing. Me and Seamus have sometimes switched on and off i've had what different beer he's had one. Oh yeah we actually like we're smart this time and actually both went and got actual we have three beer. beers well actually, normally it's because i forget to go to the, the seamus usually the, forgets the store right? i didn't get one this week i'm borrowing from kevin but we got three beers this week so we're gonna kind of one at a time well not one at a time i'm making seamus do my beer review because i don't know anything about this brewing company we'll, we'll figure it out yeah so while uh, we'll taste them one at a time while, we'll we, get, while we get those ready kevin you want to just kind of walk yourself walk our audience through what you do and where they can find you yes i have not one but two youtube channels because you know double the trouble why not yeah <laughs> why not and one is crafty beer where i do craft beer reviews and the other is hughes and brews where we do a more wider bars lounges cocktails beers but you'll notice that there's a commonality between the two and that's beer so again hughes and brews and crafty beer both on youtube yeah find them find them if you can um and then of course you know add fear and beer on youtube too when you while you're there but shameless, uh, shameless plug shameless yeah. plug but yeah it's pretty cool like we said before we're, we're in the central florida orlando area so a lot of what they do is they go to like either the theme parks or they go to other cool places you may not have heard of in the area so when you come down to visit you figure out, hey, I'm going to get a good drink somewhere. Oh, yeah, you know, the, the Hughes and Brews went to here. Let's go check that place out. And, you know, if you happen to see them out and about, say hi. We, we use the tagline, we drink and we do things. And tonight we're going to drink and we're going <laughs> to talk do, about things. Yeah, we're not, do things. we're not doing much. We're just going to talk. So why don't we start with the one Kevin has. It's Jolly Pumpkin. It's a brewery that we've done more than once on the podcast already. It's easily become a, a favorite of mine. I don't know, yeah, Nick, about you. I but. mean, it's made its way to us in two or three out of 11 episodes so far. That, yeah. that should go to tell you something. Yeah. So, I mean, they make they make farmhouse sales. That's their specialty. I'm not going to go into like the specifics of the brewery, but this one we got tonight is a collaboration that they did with Stillwater. Kevin, what's it called? So, yeah, this one's Losing Our Ledges, which is a 6.9% hazy wild IPA from jolly pumpkin there in dexter michigan and it is a collaboration with um Stillwater artisanal ales so ron ron jeffries is the is the brewer for jolly pumpkin 
Overpour. And Brian Strumke is uh, the brewer behind Stillwater Artisanal Ales. This one's um, got some age to it. Yeah, 2017. This is going to be good. And that's a barrel aged. So it's oak barrel aged, six different hops. And again, so the style is technically a hazy, wild IPA. And as you said, they do a lot of sour ales. A lot of farmhouse stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I noticed. Um, like I said, when we had the last one. It was a bunch of weird letters. Yeah, well, it was a collaboration with somebody. And I forget, the, and I apologize for forgetting the brewery that they collaborated, collaborated with. But when I looked up the brewery, yeah, they do a lot of farmhouse. It's kind of their kind of thing. When I say farmhouse, it's a sour style and typically just to give a little background about what a farmhouse is essentially what they used to do way back in the day is when they brewed these in literal farmhouses all of the natural yeast and the natural things in the air would kind of come in to the mix or the, or the batch and it would kind of just get mixed in you would get these wild flavors from you know, the natural correct thing. so now so they brew normal today, normal brewery you know pretty much laboratory created yeast right but exactly a wild yeast um is, is usually what creates a sour. So like retinomyces, lactobacillus mm-hmm. are used to make sour, sour beers. And the yeast imparts, um, the, depending upon the wild yeast, when it inoculates it, depending upon what kind of wild yeast or where it's from is what really lends it to different flavors. So right. different yeast, different wild yeasts from different places impart very different flavors. And it just so happens that the wild yeast, like in Belgium, puts a very distinct flavor. That's why there's so many wild fermented beers that originated as Belgian style. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it smells unbelievable. Very reminiscent to that other Jolly Pumpkin, that strong, sour yeah, scent. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got, um, I mean, just looking at the untapped uh, post about it, it's got grapefruit and citrus plus those six hops. So it's got a lot of hop variety in it, which is kind of crazy because a lot of beers that you drink typically only have two to three hop styles. This one's got six. So that's going to give it a... Yeah, it's got a sweet nose, which a lot of times for like farmhouses, you have that dank, pungent, funky smell Mm -hmm. or really earthy smell and people don't really like that. But this nose on this is almost sweet. And again, it's barrel aged. So this was in oak barrels, which can impart like a lot of times that woody flavor, vanilla flavor. Yeah. Um, If they're, and it depends. Sometimes people will age in oak barrels that were previously used for whiskey or bourbons. Mm -hmm. Right. And you'll, you'll, you know, that flavor will be added it's to that the secondary beer. taste to it yeah but this is um i already, nice cheated, and, I already cheated and took a sip well i, I must nick, say nick, i saw seamus going nick, so i took nick one just did too so it's it's <laughs> so, this this beer tastings every man for himself yeah, yeah it's every man for himself <laughs> not first or last but i mean i'll tell you just from the first two couple tries i mean it's it's super complex there's definitely a lot going on obviously you get a lot of the citrus get a lot of that fruit but at the same time you do kind of get that earthy that hot profile definitely back ends on that end because yeah and up front you get that sour where it's you kind of get that tingling in your neck almost back around your ears and then it tapers off and you kind of get that woody yeah, yeah, ipa yep. style like bitterness towards the end Yeah, you get the woodsy earthy so the style the being an ipa the base style an ipa explains yeah. the citrusy as opposed to a true farmhouse or a saison which just means season in french those are those are usually more funky yeasty beers but this is supposed to be an ipa so that's probably why it's mm-hmm. citrus forward but i think the back end definitely has yeah. what might be from the oak but that it it's definitely like a has woody, a, a like, woody characteristic yeah, on yeah. the back end yeah almost like i don't want to say like like whiskey but it's definitely got that bourbon-ness <laughs> bourbon-ishness on the back end you get that definitely going down and as you mentioned it's a collaboration with Stillwater artisanal ales right and the founder and brewer for Stillwater is brian strumke who, mm-hmm. before he was a brewer, was a very famous toward the world 
electronica DJ. Very, I guess, and I guess he was very he successful. Found his calling then. now. Genre that I'm not very familiar with. So electronica DJ, I'm not familiar with mm-hmm. the, who's, the who's who of the community. <laughs> yeah. But he was fairly successful, I guess. He came off his last tour and he decided not to do the DJing anymore. Yeah. Said he borrowed a beer brewing kit from one of his friends. He brewed two two beers in his backyard and said, "I'm going to make beer my living." And yeah, you know what? That's kind of how it works with breweries. I mean, a lot of times people just say, "You know what? I'm tired of what my day to day is. I love beer. I love brewing beer. Let's make a." make a living off of it and they, and they do they say let's just take the take the plunge bottle art's really cool uh it looks like it's got like a gargoyle on it or something like that so it definitely fits with the theme i mean obviously jolly pumpkin i mean how do you not yeah jolly pumpkin two right there or a, yeah. or a podcast but yeah the art too is really cool and a lot of times when i buy beer i may buy a beer strictly off of the art itself and that's kind of why we i'm a visual shopper yeah so it's like you know i'm into that darker horror halloweenish theme so when you find a bottle like that the the jolly pumpkin like 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 a lot of breweries that you can spot their artwork a mile away when you see their bottles you know it's them the artwork actually i looked it up so the 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 artist for jolly pumpkin is his name is adam foreman and he's a former tattoo artist and he started doing artwork for breweries and he says his inspiration for a lot of these are he takes vintage like advertisements for alcohol and he incorporates it so it has that vintage look to it that makes sense makes a lot of sense i mean you can definitely tell it's got that artistic Tattoo Flashy style. style. I mean, I don't yeah. have any tattoos yet, but like, you know, for connoisseurs of the art. Yeah, we, we, I, no, I noticed we, you said yet. We have a yeah, couple. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen eventually once I have, you know, the time and the, and so the, the money is the biggest part of it. <laughs> money for me. The, the fear and beer back piece. Oh, yeah, for sure. Coming. I can't wait. I'm getting, the, I'm getting the logo right in my back. <laughs> All right, let's jump down. Want to jump down to the beer that you got yeah, presented? Yeah, I got to suck this one down. But yeah. yeah. So our second. Obviously, not in any rush to suck them down. We're gonna try them. <laughs> These were just small samples to get that taste. But yeah, the second one we're I trying. Think. <laughs> this is one I found in our local shop, and it, when I saw the logo for the brewery, I, I thought to myself, "How can I not buy that one?" And just like we said, a lot of times I'm a visual shopper when it comes to buying, you know, the beers that I drink. And this one is a German brewery, and the logo has a ghost in it. So like. Like a legitimate ghost, like a like a ooh, outline of ghost, like not even like like giving you the impression that it's a ghost. No, it's a legitimate, just like someone like some kid drew it in his, in his notebook. <laughs> but yeah, it's a ghost called Freigeist Beer Culture, and it's spelled interestingly. They're from it looks like Vormenhagen Dahl, Germany, and it's obviously imported over here by another company. I think it's Shelton Brothers is what they is the company or the or the brothers that import the beer. They're two dudes that basically their whole goal is to just import good craft beer from outside of the United States into the United States so we can, you know, enjoy it here. Sounds like a great business model. Right? It's a great <laughs> idea. So the one that I brought is called Geisterzug. It's a Kinsei Gosa. So it's another sour, but it's a little bit different than a farmhouse. Gozas are a little bit more, I guess, I don't think of the best way to, to describe it, but it's... Gozas are, derive their name from where the style originated in Goslar, Germany. And it turned out that the water in that part of Germany had a very high saline content. So the style is like a farmhouse. It's a sour, but it has a very high salt content, or the native style did. So when a craft brewer, especially you know a craft brewer in, in you know, somewhere that's not where that original style originated, they'll add some kind of salt to it. So there's, it's, it's pretty popular now, even with craft brewers in the US, where they'll have a, a sour beer that's a little salty and I have to admit, it's one of my favorite styles. It is funny so far that I feel like we've gotten a lot of, when we pick up these beers, we obviously 
purchase off of name and artwork. I feel like a lot of the ones we've gotten have been sours or like the salt and lime style. There's it hasn't been many just straight up lagers, spiced ales. There's a lot of sours you know, with I this. Think, I think what you find is, and this could just be one of those like trend things where it tends to be that certain styles just kind of come into trend and then kind of other ones go out of trend and yeah. eventually the other ones will come back in. So like obviously IPA was the big thing for a very long time and I think now from what I've noticed anyways, is that sours kind of become the new thing. Um, it lets a lot of non-beer drinkers that might not like that beer taste kind of get their foot in the door. Similar, you know, not to compare the two, but, you know, the, the seltzers now, it's yeah, kind of oh, a non-beer yeah, drinker's I mean, drink that's not just liquor. The thing about sours for me, the way I look at it is, like, let's say you got someone that isn't really much of a beer drinker, but, you know, they like a good they like a wine once in a while or more of, like, a a cider, like you said, or a seltzer. You say, hey, why don't you try a Gosa? Or try a, you know, like uh, even, not even so much a Gosa, but like a Berlin or Weisse or something like that where it's a little bit less on the pucker side and more about the fruity notes and the floral notes and the, you know, you get some of that that base that kind of gives you the sense that, it, you know, it's similar to like a wine or something like that. Did, did we drink yet or am I just holding, I, am, I just, not, am I just I, holding I, this? I haven't smelled it yet. I was waiting for... So I, I yeah, the nose to this. I get like a dark fruit, like a pruny raisin, and I yeah. get a little hint of brown liquor. Definitely like, a prune style smell. So dark fruit, it's com- that's common with a lot of dark, you know, with funky beers. It's so weird when you do these like these smells of the beer, and you you recognize the smell, but you can't really just say what it is. Sometimes it's hard. You to can place. pick up on the sense. You're like, I know what this is. But since it's in a you know in a glass in a liquid form, but after a while you. you'll start to learn. There's a there's a pretty well there's a pretty defined subset of both aromas and tastes that you can that you can pull out of beer. Some yeah, you're people right. get definitely some people a... get you know really crazy and they have like you know the, the most nuanced flavor descriptions. But there's a broad category. Like so, for instance, dark fruit, the, the prune, the raisin, very common. That's what I was reading. I was I get the smell and I'm trying to picture it in my head and I got the picture of you know the raisin and I was like prune prune prune. It smells like when you crack open one of the little boxes of mini raisins that have been packaged up and so what was the official style for this so looking up some of the stuff so real quick some background on the brewery itself first frygeist it's an idea that kind of was conceived out of uh, a brew pub over there called brostel or brostel i guess it's in cologne germany it's, it was considered revolutionary and extremely tiny their whole thing is about taking traditional Ger- german styles like a goza for example and like kind of changing it and turning it on its head and giving you different different styles on that original style. They like to say that they they challenge the stylistic conservatism that has prevailed much of the uh, country. Well, that's a when it good point. So if they are in Germany, and maybe this is the brewery I read about, is that they're not allowed to sell it as beer in Germany. So Germany has the beer purity law, which is called like the Reitstenbolt or Reitstenboat or something, whatever the purity law is, right. where it's the main four ingredients in beer and nothing else. So you can't have any adjuncts. You can't mm-hmm. add things that aren't part of, you know, that isn't like water, yeast, hops, and, you know, and malted barley. So you can't sell it if it doesn't conform to the purity laws in Germany. So this might have been the, 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 the yeah, brewery maybe. that I read about where they're like, they're, they're challenging that longstanding tradition in Germany and they're creating it anyways, which it's funny because if you import a beer from somewhere else into Germany, 
it can have whatever it wants in it, I guess, and it's considered beer. But the purity laws, if it's brewed in Germany and it, it has anything other than the four main ingredients, you can't call it beer. So yeah, because like it's I the purity law is what they refer to it as. Don't see a ton of information about it, but from what the Shelton brothers are saying is that this one we're drinking specifically, it's based on their ancient spruced Goza recipe, but it has like real quince i don't know what quince is it must be some sort of fruit but yeah it's 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 definitely a unique take on the goza style because it's not that traditional salty sour i mean just from the few tastes i've had so so far i mean it's not super super sour really i mean it's i don't know how you what you think but no i didn't get any maybe a millisecond of like just a quick little sour and honestly that just might be left over from the last beer but yeah, this is, is very because I mean, neutral it's to very me. neutral there's very there's very little sour from what from what i'm getting out of it and I like this I mean, one a fine. lot. I think it's really good, to be honest with you. But that's a really different beer than I've really ever tasted. That's got a lot, I mean, similar to the smell, that pruny, raisiny style taste. I like it. Just kind of a quick little in and out taste for me. Yeah, I mean, I pulled this up on Untapped, and it doesn't even really have much on Untapped, even. Like, it's very, just says style guide sour, fruited goza with spruce branches and quince. Quince, <laughs> whatever, whatever quince or quince is. So it's definitely a, there's not a lot of information from what I can tell. But yeah, I mean, they call it a sour, but it's really muted. There isn't a lot of pucker to it. So I wouldn't consider this necessarily like a strong sour by any means. It's definitely fruited, that's for sure. And it could just be the age of it too, maybe. I mean, but I don't get a ton of sour out of this one. This is a, what I call an easy drinker. It's really, the flavor is um, fairly simple. The sour is not, it's not extremely it's not sour. Even... And I, I almost barely can't tell that it's a goza from the standpoint that i don't get a lot of salt to it salty right it almost it just so i have to look up what it, it's almost like as soon as i swallow the beer the taste is gone it's I a guess, very in and out beer i guess on the back end after you swallow i guess i get a little bit of salt on yeah. the back end but so a all right it's actually pronounced quince i'm sorry <laughs> i'm not quince <laughs> i apologize for being terrible at pronouncing words but a quince Wikipedia is telling me is that the quince is the sole member of the genus Cydonia and the family Rosacae, Rosa, Rosa I don't know, uh, which it's basically the family that apples and pears are from. Okay. So it's very much what an apple or a pear is. So that's why you kind of get some of that. To me, it's almost a little bit of pear mm-hmm. flavor. I mean, it's not strictly pear, but it definitely has that. There's more taste of pear than smell yeah, of pear. It's, it's like it's, it's like a... It's 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 almost like an apple juice, but it's not an apple juice. It's not apple. It's, it's a very quince. light looking beer. I mean, it goes down easy. There's not much to it. I think I think apple juice. You might have you might be onto well, something. It's, I mean, it's, this this fruit is actually from the same family of an apple, so it's not an apple. It's a quince, but I mean, it gives you that that. But that. that's a that's it's there. That that's mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah, I don't know if this is from it, somewhere. In that's pretty much the same or... equivalence of sour. I would probably put it as is that apple juice where. You wouldn't think of apple juice as sour, but you do get that slight note of it. Maybe. Similar with this beer. Yeah, like almost like a, an apple that's not ripe yet. A yeah. Bit. It appears to be like originally from like the Greece area. I guess the ancient Greeks grew these things or whatever there. <laughs> I had to know what a quince was. I didn't know I didn't know what a quince was. <laughs> I, dig into that deep dive. <laughs> it's not a quince. So that one's pretty good, but let's go into the, the, the last one we got and let's see what we think about this one. I got in the great beer shop of Kevin's Fridge. I found Astronaut Ice Cream, spelled out E-Y-E, Scream. It's a double dry hopped, double India pale ale with lactose. 
So it's Ooh, kind of a weird kind of combo up. right there. Yeah, it seems, mm-hmm. I mean, just from reading the can a little bit, it gives me that milky, creamy, oh, exactly. dessert so, style thing. So when you talk about a lactose beer, it's basically milk sugar, and that's what they put in it. So, or not milk, well, sugar, but then also powdered milk, essentially, is what's what's put in it. It's, it's, it's powdered milk, essentially. But. Yeah, well, lactose is dairy sugar, and the reason that it's important in beer is because uh, the process of fermenting beer is the yeast eats the sugar and creates CO2 and alcohol. Well, lactose sugar, yeast doesn't consume it, so it stays right. in its sugar form, so it creates a sweet beer. So it's used like in milkshake IPAs Yo, and, yep. and beers like yep. that. And because it's dairy sugar, you usually get that dairy, milky, creamy taste as well. Right. So it's you can sweeten the beer, and the and the yeast won't convert that sugar. Yeah. So to I mean, in 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 my opinion, or from what I've had, beers with that, that in it tend to be hit or miss for me. Anyways, um, either you they're really really good, or they're just okay. You missed the mark a um, little bit. Just because. So the problem with that type of beer is that when you put the milk sugars or that, that, that type of thing in there, you have to kind of drink it, not necessarily like immediately fresh, but you can't let it sit forever. Like a lot of people, what they do is they'll buy a four pack of it and then they'll let them sit in the, in the fridge for two months before they finish them. And they'll notice that the first one they had when they first bought the four pack is great. But then when they try it, the last one two months later, because they just have other beers they're drinking or, or whatever, they'll notice the flavor profile actually changes a little bit hmm. because those beers can actually go bad only because they have that milk sugar in it, uh, lactose. Lactose will actually make the beer go bad. Most beers don't go bad. That one will. And I don't know many, I don't think I've had I mean, ours a... isn't bad, but like, yeah. I mean, that one, like, if you let it sit for months at a time. It could be. Yeah. So like my, my, my not, not so much a warning, but at least like. Uh, something to know is that if you do get a beer with lactose in it, drink it immediately. Don't let it sit because if you let it sit, it could potentially go bad. And what I found interesting was too, I, I haven't had a beer with lactose in it. So I just, I associate anything lactose oriented with like milk stouts, stouts, well, it's true. stuff and, and, like that. And that's, yeah, and that's, that's for sure. Pretty standard, common. Yeah. yeah. Pretty a lot of times so, uh, you your, know, sweet stouts will, your sweet stouts will have ma- milk lactose in it. And then He's, like a, a creamy stout gets amplified because then if it's done with nitrogen, that adds a right. creaminess and a body to it. It's right. not put lactose sugar and it's nitrogen. It's usually a, that's what makes a creamy milk stout. It smells so good. So we're going from two sours to a IPA. So this will be an interesting. Yeah, 8% so this double IPA. Their brew. So this is from yeah, so, Illuminati Brewworks from Chicago, is Illinois. It, yeah, Illuminated or Illuminati? Illuminated. Illuminated. I got Illuminati on the brain. Well, no, I mean, that, so, <laughs> probably is so I actually well. looked, I looked them up, and you're actually not far off. So they consider themselves like a cult, quote unquote. So Illuminati makes kind of sense, makes sense. But that's what they call themselves Illuminated, I would assume. And they are based in Chicago. They're an artisanal brewery producing urban farmhouse styles. Obviously, this one doesn't look like a farmhouse style. It's more of an IPA. But that's what they say they, they typically focus on. Urb, urban um, farmhouse? Isn't that a little bit of a contradiction? Yeah, right? Yeah. I guess it's kind of a contradiction. But I think it's a little play on hey, words it's there. It's craft beer. We can do yeah. whatever we want. What is a New England IPA? Because I say it is. Um, <laughs> it looks like they were founded by two dudes, Brian Buckman and Matt Shirley. Both are founders. Um, Brian's the head brewer. Matt's their business manager. But they both grew up 
or they're, they're from the Chicago area. Brian is actually a Siebel Institute trained brewer with focus on a yeast cultivation and ferment, fermentation techniques. So he's got some good background on how to use different yeasts and cultivating different yeasts and using the fermentation techniques that he's learned to kind of like brew probably unique styles. And then Matt was actually, or is president of Gourmet 45, which is a Chicago-based catering company. So they both know the business really well. So that's probably why they're you know so big as of right now. But yeah, I mean, their beer looks Smells good. The it one does that smell good. It's very the IPA nose on this is like yeah. sweet. I mean, so my guess is because it's called Ashton Ice Cream, it's definitely going for that that like milkshake, orange sherbet, mm-hmm. ice cream kind of Which, smell nose to it. Not gonna lie to you, is awesome. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to find this is completely unrelated, but if you ever get a chance to find um, or get a chance to go to Philadelphia, make sure you check out Tired Hands Brewery out that way. They always do unbelievable milkshake beers and. That's kind of what got me hooked on the style is I had a few of those from some friends down there that blew me away. From the smell and from the fact that it was kind of you know an 8% or a double IPA, I thought it was going to hit me a lot harder. This is pretty smooth. Follows the nose pretty closely. Actually, the, the nose made it seem like it was going to be a little sweeter than it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a fairly dry flavor, medium bodied, and it gets a little bit of citrus. You get the, you get the dairy creaminess. Yeah. Again, I think the only thing that, that fell short from what I expected was a little more sweetness, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's semi-sweet. And then the back end, I guess, is a little, you get a little bit of that hop, scratchy, mm-hmm. bitter in the back end, not much. But the it, texture of it felt almost thicker a little bit from that lactose a little bit, but it's... But it's that, the hop, that hop, almost metallic bitterness that you get mm-hmm. at the very back end, but it's, I think it was, it's double dry hopped, so... Yeah, yeah you're going to get a little bit more of that boozy, and I just took my first swig of it. Um, yeah, it's definitely got that that thicker mouthfeel, but like you said, it's definitely got that double, that double, whatever you want to dry, call dry it, hops. dry hops, boozy. Like you can definitely tell they went heavy on the, on the hops. And we picked this one up too. Obviously the word scream, but the can itself was pretty cool. It's two astronauts. It's got like a little mint green background. And instead of their helmets, it's just like a straight up eyeball. So it kind of felt a little bit into that category and I think that's why I also thought it was Illuminati Brewworks because their little logo is a black black oh, triangle with an right. eye in the middle so that, make, that, that makes, makes sense. more sense now too alright so now that we're kind of wrapping up that whole beer round table uh, style one, thing we move on which one's your favorite out of the three that we had which one would you prefer well, I guess we have to take a little sample oh, of each sample, again. I guess Although a little bit a, more just in case I just sucked down them all Christ yeah. <laughs> I got some of the ice cream left and that's it I'm not going to lie to you as of right now I'm definitely I don't want to say IPA'd out because I love IPAs and I love the fruitier New England style IPAs or even these milkshake ones but I've become more of a of a sour connoisseur and I have to say the Goza that we tried the second one although it's not a traditional Goza the way they they took it and kind of turned it on its head, added a different type of fruit that you don't really ever see, especially over here in the States. I had never heard of a Quinn's before. Quinn's. That, to me, kind of won the day for out of all three of them just because it was so different and so unique that I hadn't ever had it before. Like I love Jolly Pumpkin for what they do because they do great farmhouse sales. But I'm used to, I'm, 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 you know, I'm obviously the IPA is good, but this one just kind of, I don't know, took me for a ride that I, I didn't expect. I was going to go with that one as well, too, just because it wasn't, it was so different. I mean, we labeled it as a sour, but it didn't really have much or really any sour notes to me. It had that pruney, raisiny style taste in and out, and it was a pretty easy drinker versus, you know, the the IPA and the Jolly Pumpkin Sour, which are 
good on certain occasions, but I think just for an overall drinkability factor, I'd have to go with that second beer too, the Gauza. I'm going to go with the losing, losing our ledge, <laughs> the, um, the yeah. Jolly Pumpkin, the sour, hazy IPA. It's, and again, like the, the second beer, like you said, that almost apple juice, dark fruit, but very muted flavor, not much to it. Yeah. I'm guilty of my beers need to like really just grab me by the throat and throw me around a little bit. I, yeah. I, you know, so that probably just didn't have enough flavor to me. It wasn't complex enough. So to me, I would say the, um, the hazy IPA from Jolly Pumpkin first. And then probably the astronaut ice cream second, and mm-hmm. then uh, the, the then your oh, really? third. They're all really good beers too, which was and, and it was. I'm glad that they all kind of had different profiles to them. You know, the first two were technically sours, but they were distinctly different tastes. Yeah, they're diff- I mean, definitely, there's a difference between a farmhouse ale and a goza. I mean, they're just they're they're both under that style umbrella, but they are still very different. Well, while we're still on the beers, again, we talked about the artwork. Artwork is like a big part of the craft beer industry but yep. as we mentioned the the jolly pumpkin has gargoyles on it mm-hmm. so of mm-hmm. course i wanted to know like what everybody knows what a gargoyle is but where did this all come about <laughs> so it turns out the word gargoyle actually comes from a french word that i won't even try to pronounce but it means <laughs> like it means like throat or gullet and they were used on buildings to catch the rainwater and drive it off away from the building so that it didn't the, it didn't run on the masonry and work out the mason, you know, work, okay. wear down oh. the masonry back when, you know, buildings, especially probably in early Europe, were mostly masonry. So then if a gargoyle is on a building or any like demon type gargoyle is on a building and doesn't, isn't used for catching rainwater, it's, I guess it's really used, it's called a, a grotesque, which of course that word went on to mean other things. But yeah. with all that said... There's a 1972 horror film called Gargoyles, which I think <laughs> has to be a future episode for you guys. Oh, probably. Where a father and his daughter are on some trip or road trip, and they're looking for something, and they find a colony in Arizona of live gargoyles. So I just wanted to put that out there. I have to find that so now. When, you know, so when you do that episode, let that's me know. Rest, all, that is right up my alley. I wonder if they I'm lined that up in. to the Gargoyles animated series that came out in the 90s. Right? <laughs> And there was a lot about that movie. I mean, I, I don't. It's I had never heard of it, but it seemed almost like it might be a cult classic, like Love the nineteen seventy two gargoyles yeah. movie. So check it out. We'll, we'll, we'll look up into that. We'll watch that one, and that might be another killer beer review session that we're gonna yeah, kind of we'll, 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 keep as a reoccurring factor we'll going through. But the movie at hand today. Yeah, let's go. So we are gonna be talking Insidious. So Insidious came out. 2010 slash 2011. Yeah, I think was, this was was this on your ten, top top ten list or no? No, it it again it like your, it was one, it was definitely one of your like, honorable mentions. Yeah, though. I think I'm I don't think I brought it up then, and again, we definitely talked about it. Yeah, we we much. talked about it, and obviously we talked about it obviously because we have so many people. This is like an all star like production team that put oh, on Insidious. Sure. When I you mean, go down the list of where this thing like, we established, came from the minds yeah, of. I mean, we clearly established that we are fans of the production company. Yeah. And we are fans of James Wan. Yeah. So Insidious, it came out originally 2010 in September. It premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. And then from there, got a wide release in April of 2011. And we decided to kind of talk on Insidious because we thought it through so far in advance that Yesterday, Kevin was telling us he was watching Insidious, so we said, ah, screw it, let's talk about Insidious. Yeah, let's talk about Insidious. I mean, I like the movie, so yeah. And this is one of three in the franchise, right? Uh, four. Or is the fourth out, or is there one so in the there's works? Yeah, so there was uh, one, two, three, and then the last one was like Ghost Key or something. I don't know, you all lines. know how I feel about sequels. Yeah, they. I mean, 
So there, uh, I haven't seen any of the yeah, seasons. So I know there was, I know there was to, at least three. Yeah. To their credit, I think it was Ghost Key. To their credit, it it held up good because they didn't do a lot of like sequel extensions. I think they had one. And then I could be wrong, but I think two was like a prequel, oh, okay. and then so three was a sequel. Three, and then... I think three was the prequel because I think okay. the chronological order, from what I've seen, was three to one. One, you and know then more yeah. about it than I. And the family that's in the first one get carries through, the same family carries through to the second Extends. one, and then I think oh, okay. a new family must enter the picture. Well, something yes. a new a new storyline. Yeah, I guess I have to find. They're good. They're and watch them then. And then four follows. It's a little bit of a prequel. Not the demonologist, but the uh, Elise. The lady, Elise, yeah. The, the lady so four, that, like, four the, follows uh, her backstory, how she got these powers. Uh, okay. It takes place, you know, back in the gotcha. day. And I believe four spoilers. Four ends with her receiving the phone call from the first movie, the, the first movie ah. talking about Dalton and stuff like that. So it kind of it bookends it right there. Interesting. I'll have to find them and try and check them out. Yeah. So they're not they're not bad. I have them. I think I have those all on Blu-ray. So they're Maybe better sequels them than, from you then. Yeah, they're better sequels than some other movies that we've talked about. Right. So just going down the list of like who was behind this, directed by James Wan, who was master sprinkled throughout both of our top 10 lists master of modern horror he's done conjuring saw dead mm-hmm. silence and we all know how much seamus loves saw fast and furious 7 fast 7 fast 7 and aquaman talk about sequels yeah he kind of made this as, in a response to the fact that saw kind of kickstarted this like horror porn yeah gore he, un- he unfortunately kind of got like dra- dragged into that he got tight like, horror porn yeah. type genre unfortunately and, and it, i blame more on the movies like hostile and that sort of thing mm-hmm. because those ones were tra- typically more i don't consider actually most of all right so i see that back some of the saws are pretty bad but the original saw even the second one i mean they i wouldn't classify them as gore, as gore porn like some people would i would consider them more hardcore violent horror movies but they're not like they're it's not, not hostile course, but he it's... definitely did get kind of dragged into that style because because they all kind of people a lot of critics just just kind of combined the two together like oh Mm -hmm. hostile and saw they're just gory porn movies so he made this as kind of like an f you yeah i can actually make real horror movies and i'm actually a lot i don't need just i I don't need those you know grotesque scenes to kind of just cause that right and we're not going to go into saw tonight but please watch saw one and tell me the dude can't make decent crazy thought-provoking movies and for the sub genres of like horror Mm -hmm. like Give me this kind of supernatural, possessed, exorcist kind of stuff. Me personally, yeah. Over the over the saw hostile kinds. I, mm-hmm. I, those are great. Yeah. For, you know, for what they are, and I I love the hostile series and the saw series. Yeah. <laughs> but these, I prefer these. These as well. ones really like. I mean, sometimes like these scenes, some of them like they'll give me the chills. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and part of it is probably because the chances of me getting taken in a hostel and dismembered by crazy people in a warehouse. Yeah. Okay, it could happen. All right. It could. Wrong place, wrong time. But, but this stuff, like the supernatural stuff, in the back yeah. of your mind, you're convinced like it could, it could happen, happen at any time, anywhere. Mm-hmm. And at another time, at another bit. time, we could get deeper into this. But when I was watching this today, like I almost, or yesterday, was it yesterday? I watched it anyways. Mm-hmm. I had to like stop it at, at a couple points because mm-hmm. if if you don't remember the stories, some of the things that happened in this movie absolutely happened to us in our the house we lived in in the 90s and 2000s oh, I, yeah. I believe it i mean we... i mean it, it, like from the scene where he come, dalton comes down and says i don't like sleeping in my room our youngest son when we lived in that Did house the same thing. used to say it 
middle of the night, yeah. come down and have your front doors wide open in both directions. That absolutely mm -hmm. happened to us. Yeah. Seeing people happened to us. Him describing the same man in a hat that he could see every night yep. happened. And to the point where it got to the point where, you know, I, I took him serious. I literally screwed all the bedroom windows shut with yep. screws when we lived in that house. <laughs> so maybe that's partly why these they speak to me. Yeah. But at some point you should like, you should talk to Chris and have him explain he have lived, Chris on for he, a little. He lived. He lived yeah. the life of Dalton. Oh, yeah. That's not I, even. I that's not an I exaggeration. I mean, I'm like we talked about this in the top ten episode that we did. I'm hard. I'm one of those people that's hard to scare when it comes to movies. Like I don't scare easily, but you're right in the sense that this type of thing. I've had experiences of my of my own. You feel like even though you, you tell yourself eh, it's, it might be real, it might not be real, but you know if you've had an experience, it's hard for anyone to sit here and say you haven't had that experience because hold on, you weren't there. And I'm not one of those to be like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, I, I don't believe you. It's like, how do I know? Yeah, you can't you prove that you, you can't, can't prove, prove it regardless. regardless. But, but even if you haven't, it comes back to that, well, it, it could. Exactly. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. and, and then your mind can start playing tricks on you. Like, right. oh, I, I think I hear something in the middle of the night, right? Yeah. But right. the chances are you're not sitting straight up in bed in the middle of the night and going, there's a guy in the hallway with a chainsaw. Yeah. That, you know, like that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, so right. my point, the face isn't coming like, down the So my point was that the, these, I tell, these, I enjoy these from yeah, a standpoint think, of being scared more than I do a slash. Yeah, I don't, I don't Different think, type of enjoyment. I don't think, I don't think you're the only one. I mean, I, I think for most people, it's kind of the same way. Cause like slash movies for me are fun to watch because they're fun. They're fun movies. They're just mindless, fun movies. They're not thought provoking. They're not like, they're not, there's nothing deep about them. These ones tend to be a little bit more, even if they're like a very cliched story, they're still more interesting just because you're right. I mean, anyone, I, mean, I think the, the difference the is startled, are, startled versus scared. Like yeah. the slasher films that jump out, yeah. oh Jesus, that scared the crap out yeah. of me. Oh, but, machete. Yeah. But this kind of thing, like where like voices voices over baby monitors are always just yeah. effing freaky. Slow build. Yeah. So Slow when build. that yeah. when that voice comes over the baby monitor in here and says, I want it, and you're yeah. like, I'm like my arms are like got yeah. goosebumps and I'm like yeah, so for me, like that's the, that's the, that's the feeling that I want these movies to provoke for me or invoke in me is like is I want that feeling of dread. I want that feeling of just not I don't unease. Don't scare me. Just make me feel unease because I don't. I mean, you're, again, you're not gonna scare me because jump scares to me isn't scaring me. That's just like you said, startling me. Like, and and most jump scares are cheap and gross and terrible anyways because they're never done right. This movie, and we'll get into a little bit a little bit more, but. This is one of those movies that does jump scares the right way. Mm -hmm. They set them up the right way, but I'll let you continue. And they're the subtle, too, in that sense. Directed by James Wan, we kind of hit that. This was actually written by Lee Winnell as well. Yeah, that so makes he sense. wrote yep. Saw, and he, he was Saw. actually, he, he acted he in it in as Saw. well. Yep. He was, I forget his name, but he was I forget not his name, the doctor. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, he but, was yeah, but he's the, the guy one that, that got was attached to the toilet. Spoilers. I'm, I'm not going to say spoilers again. Just, if you're listening, we're probably oh, going to yeah. talk about we a movie earlier. He was the one that... Didn't cut his leg off, and he smashed yeah. uh, the guy's face in with the top yes, of the toilet. Yes, right. Spoiler warning. Yeah. So it was produced by Oren Pelly. He was okay. the Paranormal Activity guy. Okay, yeah. And on oh, Paranormal yes. Activity, he yep. did everything. He wrote right. it, directed it, costume design, everything. He was the boyfriend. He was the one filming everything, yep. Yep. So he yep. did all that, and then this was also produced by Jason Blum. This is so, like one of the first Blumhouse movies. Then, yeah, and this is, I mean... Blum has had his fingers on. I just checked yeah. on. I think on IMDb he's listed on over two hundred. He's uh, the Purge too, right? Productions. Yeah. Yes. So he does the I Purge, mean, Paranormal Get Activity. Out, Paranormal Activity, Happy Death Day, The Hunt, yeah. Fantasy Island, Invisible Man. Right. I mean, if, us. I mean, nowadays, I mean, if it's a horror movie, it's probably Blumhouse. It's, chances are, it's yeah. a Blumhouse. The new Halloween movies. Yeah, he's exactly. got his hands he's on. He's got so his hands on a lot of these. I'm things. very curious 
how much work goes into him producing or at this point well, he's so big it's a his lot of company it's just, i think it's just money it's his production just, company produces and he gets his name on it and yeah i mean let's be honest most producers are just basically investors yeah and i mean to his credit a lot of his movies he makes for cheap right simple and then but he's also smart in, too i mean you, know, you gotta say i mean some people may be like oh they're all kind of cookie cutter maybe but what makes jason blum so smart is he knows the right directors to invest in and to produce i mean like we said in the top 10 episode, who would ever thought that, you know, Jordan Peele, the funny guy, could make such a good horror movie and he blew everybody away with Get Out and had a pretty good sophomore effort with us. But I mean, yeah, Blumhouse just, he just, that company, Jason Blum just knows the right stories and the right directors and just hits almost every yeah, time. I mean, the Purge, he made for $3 million yeah. and it made $89 million. Right. Happy Death Day, he made for $4.8 million and it made $125 million. So, yeah. He's doing something right. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. And, you know, this was almost 10 years ago at this point. It's almost 10 years ago. Yeah. It's funny that all these guys worked on this project and they've kind of made their way through horror and have left their, you know, left their mark on horror. Right, and James Wan's making superhero movies now. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, 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 he's tiptoed. places. He's tiptoed. <laughs> he's tiptoed a little bit through yeah, the genre and out of the genre, but he's, he's definitely left his mark on By the way, that horror. song sucks. <laughs> I love it. I hate so that song. creepy. So that's kind of the like who behind the story. Did you want to go through the story at all a little bit, or uh, I mean, assume I that everyone's kind of watched the, the movie? entire story? I mean, I'm sure people that listen to us probably have seen it. I mean, again, if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. Pause this and go watch it. But I, I don't know if we need to walk through the entire story bit by bit. But I mean, I'll gladly tell you some of the parts that mm-hmm. that like. Yeah, I so let's go through I, key points. Before, before you do that, so real quick, I, my thing is so with Insidious, it's not my favorite James Wan movie. Mm-hmm. I'll come out and say, obviously, Saw is my favorite James Wan movie, and I like The Conjuring. I think a little bit better than like this one. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at this one is like you kind of you had kind of said it's kind of his like his like hey I can do real horror movie yeah horror movies guys like it's not just oh violence for the sake of violence i look at it kind of as his homage movie and what i mean by that is it's his homage to classic horror and you can see it in a lot of the shots and the structure in the movie itself to me it's like it's like the poltergeist exorcist the haunting and nightmare on elm street all rolled into one movie and there are scenes in it that kind of give me that sense. So obviously the exorcist, the child that's possessed by a demon or being or trying to be possessed by a demon. And I'm not saying that necessarily it's a copy of these. I think he takes the ideas and he completely shapes it in a new way. Think about like the poltergeist. I mean, another, another one that it's definitely pulls from the child that's brought, you know, that's basically seduced by ghosts in the house or, or, or around him. And they pull, they pull the child into another dimension. It's very much pulled from Poltergeist. The haunting, you know, the the way one of the, the, the ghosts at the end of the movie moves is very much like one of the ghosts in The Haunting, where she looks like she's being pulled on a skateboard. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, the big bad guy's got claws in his yeah. fingers. I mean, I, I was in the, like, yeah. a pull from Freddy Krueger. Um, and even, like, certain scenes. So there's one scene that stuck out to me, and it's when, right, at the end, right near the end of it, when he finally is looking for his kid, and you meet... The demon face to face lipstick monster yeah whatever you call them <laughs> um, they, they do that quick shot of his eyes and they fade yep. away that is that is almost almost identical to rosemary's baby if you've seen rosemary's baby kind of like cat eyes almost the, the yellow scene with and, the yeah. devil and she's having the relationship with the devil and she doesn't know what she does if it's a dream or a nightmare or whatever and you see the eyes and they fade in and out that scene with the eyes fading out i mean to me that's 
that's, that's ripped right from Rosemary's Baby. So, well, if you're connecting those kind of dots, the the tiny Tim tiptoe through the tulips oh, thing. Oh yeah, yep. 1408, the Carpenters. We've only just begun. That's yep. true. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. exactly what it reminds me. I don't know what it is about like those old timey tunes that like done over the right scene just put a whole new meaning behind the song where it's just like yep not listening well, I mean, to that take us for example i mean they took and they, yeah they took a big hip-hop song and they and he, and he made it terrifying like, even you like even, you can't listen to that song the same way with get out you know the run rabbit run right, exactly rabbit, yeah run, run 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 yeah or um yeah i mean you're right yes so i, I I don't know. To me, it's not, again, not my favorite James Wan movie, but it shows how good he is at constructing a story. And even though it's kind of cliched, I mean, haunted house, kids possessed by a demon, they're chased by the ghost, they move, oh no, the ghost is still there. It's very much, you've seen it a million times, but he does it in a way that's like, wow, I'm actually drawn into it rather than pushed away by you know because it's like oh well, this is boring i've seen this already the only things that that kind of pull me out a, a little bit is that like they don't really explain who they are i mean are they just ghosts that haven't crossed over are they are they, are they demons are they i mean yeah so i think the concept is that the further is like purgatory right so there's spirits that haven't moved on a lot of them don't want to because they're trying to come back it's true right? and then when there's yeah. a so they astral projector when they kind of cross into yeah. that territory, yeah, they can where, yeah. latch on to and that, them. And that's kind of cool because that's kind of a twist in, 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 in a way because, like, you, you, you assume that it's just another exorcist, another, like, yeah. oh, this kid's possessed by that. Usually by the demon. demon takes them and they come to our world right. versus right. we go into theirs. Right, but now it's, it's, it's the opposite of the norm. Flipping that on its head right. and saying, hey, no, actually, it's the kid is actually removing himself from his body and he's moving into another realm with other further which I, I'm kind of be jumping around a little bit but there is a line in, involving the further that really kind of stuck with me a little bit when she, when dad goes into the further she says something along the lines of as you move further into the whatever so she into the use, further into the first so she uses that that term further but it, it kind of in a, in a cool way in the sense that like you're moving further away from your own self but you're also moving further into what we call the further. So mm-hmm. I think, to me, that was kind of a nice little play on words. But Side note, I found the song that I was thinking of, the Mr. Sandman. Oh. Mr. Sandman. Oh, Halloween. Yes, exactly. That where it's just that very Was innocent. Bring me a dream. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. So it's like another one of those old-timey tunes that doesn't have any horror connotations, really, but then you match it up to the right scene, the right villain or whatever, and it kind of so I wonder, flips it completely. I wonder who wonder who did that first. You know? What was the first kind of like timing like I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to pick a, a benign, maybe happy song. Match it up to this. And, and just make that work in a creepy way. Yeah. Again, like just thinking back, I love the 1408. So that just is always like that. I always Sticks. think of that the radio keeps coming on and playing the same song. Yeah. Christine, maybe? In the car, it kept the car kept playing the same. Was it the same old songs or it just kept playing older Could songs? Be. But. I'd have to, we'd have to definitely, that would be a deep dive because that's not something you could even like Google search. That's like, you have to look at old movies and kind of re, I mean, Halloween was 78, I believe it was. So that's, that's up there. That beats all the other ones we were talking about with Insidious and Get Out. 1408's one of the more recent ones. So we'd have to kind of really dig deep into the library of horror. And, but it works. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like that's I was the saying, funny there's, there's, there's some good scenes that we can talk about in here that like the, the scenes that I was like, 
totally got me. Like literally the goosebumps, like, yeah. like that's awesome. And one of them literally was when she's outside, she's, she's bringing the trash out or something. She's, yes. The windows are open and she goes out and the, and the record player, yeah. tiptoe. And like, oh, Jesus, like, oh, that's, that's good. This isn't going to be good. good. Something, something's up. So, well, yeah. I mean, did, I don't know, maybe before that happens, when she's walking in through the laundry room and you happen to just catch the silhouette of so, the kid. On the so floor. at that point, I was watching it. She cuts through like the laundry room and there's like this little stat, almost what I thought was like a wooden statue yeah. facing away and she walked through the room. Think, and so yeah. I had to stop it for a second, like literally, because I'm watching, watching think, it on Netflix. Think, yeah. So I back it up and what? I'm like, is that what I think it is? And then I'm like saying, thinking to myself, not knowing what's going to happen. Right. I'm like, if that, if that just goes by and is never brought up, I'm going to be like, what well, is yeah. that? There's got to be a callback somewhere. But then when she looks in there and then right. the kid runs through the through the house, it's like, holy yep. crap. Yeah, if you, if you haven't watched The Haunting Hill House on Netflix yet, that similar thing, they hide ghosts and that East. sort of thing in the scenes where they don't really pay any attention to it, but it's there because they want you as the audience, as you as the viewer, to, to Pick catch up it on and it. go... And then you have to watch that now series. Now you're screwed up because you're like, wait, was that... Something I should be cared about. You like, have to watch that series twice, almost, because at yeah, the very really end, you, you come to a realization. There's an aha right. moment, and then you're like, "Oh, like what right. else did I miss?" And you have to like, rewatch it in that and, mindset and the, of knowing what like, had I happened. I mean, it, it took me to like, and not to talk about that show, but it took me to like episode seven to finally catch something mm-hmm. and go, "Wait a minute, something's not right." The whole thing over again, just to see what am I missing? Yeah. Um, but he's also very good about at that because the, the, that scene, you walk, she walks by, and you're like. Is that a little boy? Like what the was fuck that was that? Was that what was Tim? that? Wait, <laughs> and if we sound like something? we're referencing anything, it's because we're pointing at we're pointing at the movie that's oh, yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. The movie's movie playing, playing in the right background. Yeah, no, no sound on, but we have it on that. And just from a straight up. Actually, I mean to be honest, the best shot of the movie is coming up right now. This is probably, probably my the favorite best shot spot right so here. So describe what shot's coming up. So we're getting to the point in the movie, and I'm sure if you, again, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. But when she's the mother's talking to her son, not not. The little boy, the father, her, his mother. Lorraine, which is Lorraine. funny enough, Lorraine is his, mom his mom. It, it's not from the, it's just the same name. Same, oh. So the guy that plays. But she's the same actress, isn't it? No, 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 different actress. Okay. Oh, Lorraine, you're right, because Lorraine and Ed Warren. So, yeah, so. Yeah, in The Conjuring, yes, that's the rest of the relation there. So the Lorraine in this? So the mother is named Lorraine. Right, Barbara in the Hershey. The Conjuring universe. Patrick, whatever his last name is, the actor. Wilson. He plays Patrick Wilson. He plays Ed. Ed, Ed Warren. Uh, Ed Warren. His wife is his Lorraine wife is Warren. Warren. Oh, okay. That's, that's the tie-in is there. But in this scene, she's talking to him, explaining to him, you know, what she saw and why the hooved monster. You know, why why he doesn't take pictures or anything like that because he's ter- because he's he's afraid of things in the background or whatever and that she's seen the monster before and she's talking about her dream and Freddy Krueger lipstick guy yeah. is in the dream or whatever and you actually a split second you, you, you catch the bad you catch the bad guy behind it. Patrick now this is a jump scare now like I said before in the top 10 episode I don't like bad jump scares this is prime example of a good mm-hmm. jump scare it's and good. the reason it's good is because one you don't expect it Yep. What they're drawing attention to is her story and her telling the story of what she, what her dream was. You're you're enthralled by that. And you're sucked into that. That you don't expect that in the broad daylight, all of a sudden, to be a monster hiding behind one of the characters. And that's kind of where where with horror, you have to kind of you have to do that. You can't give people with it things where they expect it to happen because that makes it cheap and that makes it all right. I expected that, or that's a YouTube jump scare. This is a good jump scare because you don't you don't expect it to happen. 
because you think it's too early in the character right. development. Right, exactly. I mean, you're, you're just, but you're one just of the things stubborn. that I noted about this was is they did a really good job at character development. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. the, the characters really do play out a little bit slowly, which is good because right about here is where you're starting to realize the mother. Uh, is it Lorraine? Who's the the mother of his mother is Lorraine? Yes, yeah, so Josh. Josh is the Josh's character. Mother. Josh's mom. You're you're starting to get the point here that her backstory is more than just the right. Mother. There's more just to some, it. Yeah, just... she wasn't there for one scene. And what I liked about that jump scare is it was more for the audience than the characters. Exactly. So it didn't cause us exactly. to be scared because it was characters screaming. The scene is silent essentially with just the hiss of the monster. Right. The character Josh. He doesn't even notice what's happening, so it's more right. of a visual. Because I mean, for we, us. We, have, we haven't hit the point in the movie yet where he actually believes what's going on is going on. I mean, no, he doesn't know. As of right now, he's just kind of doing it for the wife's sake. Because one of the best, also one of the most scenes, not not from like just the character development, is that point where he believes. And if mm -hmm. you remember, he believes because he sees the kids' drawings on the wall, mm -hmm. right? He, which he, says. I watched myself sleep, sleep yep. and then he has the picture of like him yeah. flying, flying away out the window. He, earlier, he like right. he, earlier they made reference to that same drawing, and he's like, "Oh, buddy, you're not a superhero." Yeah. No, he wasn't flying because he thinks he's a superhero. Right. Then he drew himself. He's flying because right. he leaves his he body. Can astral project. And to I my think... point, for a horror film, that's pretty good story depth. Yeah, and right. most horrors won't go that in they depth to, well, to exactly, care about that about sense of the story. This movie is like I said before. This it's a very. It, it's a pretty cliched story, but the difference is is that someone like James Wan can take a cliched story like this and give you more depth to it. There's they didn't, more to it than just, they didn't, oh, scary They house, didn't phone in the storyline. Right, and, and a nice little callback to the fact that when they reveal that he has the same ability to do astral projection like his son can, I think that kind of gives you the sense that even before he believed his wife, he even though he couldn't technically remember it happening as a kid because Elise scared, uh, told, told him to forget it about a bit, whatever. But you can kind of, at that point, go, oh, so maybe he just in a way knew what was going on, but without knowing. I guess, sort of, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like deja vu, where like, for some reason, he, he kind of sees what's going on, but he doesn't because he can't remember it technically. Because yeah. obviously, Elise was like, oh, we're, we're going to make sure you can't remember this type of thing from happening. But and good thing we're watching it too because I just caught on to something. <laughs> Specs? Yeah. That's Lee Winnell. Yeah, I know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah, the one that the one that the one that doesn't the one that doesn't believe doesn't like the the electronic stuff. Yeah, that's Lee Winnell. One of the two, yeah, one of the two, you know, yeah, hunters, yeah, yeah, Lee yeah. Winnell. Specs. The ghost no. the Ghostbusters. Yeah, essentially the Ghostbusters is writing stuff down and drawing things. Right. That's is the Lee writer Winnell. of this movie. Yeah. Got who it. also wrote and was in Saw. But that scene is good. The the Viewmaster machine and the, the little the, jumpy the two girls. The two yeah. girls. Yeah. So what's cool about those two characters, at least for me, is obviously they're the comic relief for the movie. Not that I think it needed a ton of it, but there was definitely some relief in those two characters. What's cool about it is they're kind of like a parody almost of what at the time was really big and trendy, which is like the ghost hunting shows. Like, like oh, you know, I'm Zach Bagans and I go in with all this technical equipment and I and I ghost hunt, quote unquote. So like him making fun of the dude with all his equipment and yeah. saying like, oh, you know, well, it may it, it may be important, may not be important. And then I have, and the other guy going, well, no, it obviously is important. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who has to operate it. So it's kind of like kind of like a parody of those type of yeah. those type of shows, which were obviously popular back in. The early, you know, the early 2010s or whatever, 2000, yeah. You know, 2000s. What year was 2000s. Ghostbusters? Oh, the original Ghostbusters? 85? I was going to say 83, 84. I don't remember. But back to your homage and connecting the dots. 
Again, yes, yeah. exactly. Very much so, kind of like an homage to Ghostbusters a little bit. There's another nod in there, yeah. Um, but it definitely has that. Again, this is also where the Poltergeist themes come in again. You've got the Zelda character, the Elise, the, the medium that comes in, and, and you assume that it's the house that's haunting them, but then she reveals the twist of the movie. It's like, no, your son you is are haunted. haunted. Yeah, something like your she's son, like, I don't, I don't know if you're ready to hear this, but yeah. your house right. is Right, so haunted. that kind of, again, where it takes your expectations and kind of turns around, like the beer we had, is that you, you think that, oh, this, he's doing a Poltergeist deal. The scene coming up is, is pretty good, too, where she starts describing and he starts drawing like oh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, I yeah, cut yeah, to yeah. the, she the, can see the, the she mother can see comes running over and grabs the paper. It's, yeah. and it's another, pretty good. The one thing that I, I love about this, the top, so my top three things that kind of really draw me into this movie as putting it up in my list of favorites, whatever, is A, like the color slash imagery. Yeah. Is those spookier scenes get that blue tone where it's just... it. Very it washed gives you out. That, it's a washed yeah, out. Yeah, it gives you that like, dirty, bad yeah, feeling. A lot it, of the color is taken away. It's very muted. Mm-hmm. The first time I noticed that is when she was outside the house. The windows are open. Mm-hmm. The record player changes to the tiptoeing song. Yeah. When she turns, and I'm not sure what the meaning was, but when she turns to run back in the house, you'll notice that it goes to almost black and white. Yes, it drops. It drops its it contrast does, yeah. completely, right. and that's so it changes. I love that it kind of fools with that. B, I love the score of this. That mm-hmm. insidious title when it comes up in the beginning. Yeah. It, that, it's like again, it's just thirty-three like kinda, violins just. Yeah, and that kind of to me feeds into the whole homage theme that I was going off. of. Feels that old. Is that, that insidious title with the violins is very much an eighties, seventies, eighties horror thing, like where the title comes up, and you have that sharp music or sharp tone. They kind of, you know, it's jarring, essentially. Yeah. Like, it's not so much scary. It's just very, like, whoa, that warps my head. It just, it just screws with my head because, like, you know. What kind of sound is this? Yeah, what, what, <laughs> what noise is that? It's, it's it, you're right. You're right. So that, that, to me, is really cool, too. And then see the last thing that I love is these shots, similar to what we were talking about with the viewfinder and the, the two girls popping up. It's a, like, a jump cut, almost. It yep. doesn't show them smile. Right. It shows them go from... Frown, to, Frown smile. to smile instantly. Same thing when we come later to the scene again, with the brings, family sitting there with the shotgun. Yeah, yeah, and that brings up another thing. So if you want to, again, kind of goes into my homage theme. That's very much The Shining. Yeah. It get the la- at the end of The Shining when you see the two twins and it flashes to them axe murdered or you have that, that jump cutting which kind of jumps from scene to scene and it changes from what you're looking at to something that's more horrifying. It, kind of that same idea where he's kind of going along those lines so I, I really think that he took a lot of what his favorite aspects of horror in the, in the history of horror and smashed and he, it and he kind of smashed it together and it doesn't feel like it was smashed together it feels no. like it was melded and, and, and molded together by a dude that's obviously a master it's such small horror. amounts from so many different things put into a story that right. we've heard before right. that it doesn't Right. This isn't like us just saying, oh, well, right. James Wan just stole everything. Right. And that's the thing. It's, it's not a copy. It's not a direct copy of all these no, movies. It's, it's just inspired, it's inspired by, inspired by it. Yeah. Right. And some of the best stuff that's ever come out in entertainment is inspired by something else. And funny enough, too, for as as I was talking with like the score and the cinematography and for how well everything was put together, they shot this movie in three weeks. So this wasn't yeah. a long yeah, production. Yeah, it wasn't a long production. Which is kind of blows my mind, too, just from... 
not that there's like an extravagant set when he goes into the further. It's just kind of like silhouette, black light, or right. not black light, but like blacked out. One, yeah. s- one it's, single it's light, essentially red door. in one place. Yeah, which, and that I guess that that place is supposed to be the house they moved from. The older house, the one the, with the red the door, and house, he goes into right. that exactly, and so then he realizes that the spirits there were because the daughter shot the rest of the family, and that's, and that's what takes are. place yeah. when he's there. Right, and that could be kind of where a lot of those ghosts. And, and they did a great job of making that creepy when yeah. like they're when they're, they're sitting like on the couch and it's kind of black and white washed yeah, out. Yeah, that, like, that was that was like weird too. Like, I love that. Yeah, it like seemed like a really creepy and, carousel of progress. He's, he's, he's holding like, the newspaper and yeah, not really moving, whistling. but he's whistling. He's the one whistling. And the thing is, like I think like you said so earlier, for me it's like if something gives me that goosebumpy like my hair stands on end type of feeling, which is that type of scene where you hear the whistling, he walks in the room, and they're all kind of just standing there and staring. And then he looks at and he looks at he gets really close to the old lady gets really really close to her, and it's again one of those good jump scares. You don't expect it to happen when it happens, like where you expect the jump scare to happen, it doesn't happen. So when he walks in there and he sees the girl standing, or he sees them, sees the mom standing there, the two two of them sitting there, you, you expect it to happen at one point, but when he gets really close to her, it happens. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. But yeah, it's really really creepy. And so it, it's not technically a dream. It's supposed to be them. In the further. astro, what is it? Astro Astral projecting, projecting. But that scene, and, and other movies do a really good job at this, of dream sequence kind of stuff. They nail it. You're like, that's the kind of weird shit that happens in yeah. a dream. Like, yeah. like the like the background kind of missing, and the weird yeah. lighting, yeah. and the people acting in certain ways. So it makes me. So and it, what, it, what it, are, it worked. What it reminds me of is. What do they call it in Stranger Things? The the, other, the upside down. The upside Absolutely. Down. So that it's just like the me, upside down. It, it reminded me of the and upside down. To me, in this things. in this world, this universe of this movie, I think it's it's kind of almost like a purgatory. So if we're talking about ghosts that won't cross over, it's obviously that purgatory area where it's like they're waiting halfway between the living and the dead. Right. Or people that choose not to move on. Right. They exactly. Just, they just so they, to my commit, guess is that they keep thinking they're going to come back. So they right. Been, so my guess is that in in that family was murdered in that house and that's why they're still there they've been waiting they've to been waiting for or, someone to or if be, they don't know they're dead yet yeah, or, yeah exactly yeah. exactly oh six six like, cents kind of stuff yeah oh, well, we talked about that movie too in one of our episodes but one thing about that particular scene and this is kind of random but it, not that it drew me out of it it just kind of made me go huh is when the girl kills the family you hear her you hear her shoot and it sounds like she's either using a winchester or a shotgun just boom boom but she's holding an M14 rifle, which don't go boom, <laughs> boom. They're just it's just a rifle, like boom, boom, boom. That's the kind of weird stuff that happens in dreams. I know. Which is, I, it's it, gotta be what it was. And it's it like, kicks back to that dream aspect where like you might just misplace information, or yeah, like you maybe. said, where the background falls maybe, out yeah. because your brain is focusing on just that one story. The rest is just not. It doesn't need to be finished. Maybe. So yeah. that's where I think that might kind of tie in. Or it was just a straight up. Or it was just a straight up goof. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just something. It's just one of those weird things that I catch that nobody else is gonna yep. catch. Because like, I don't know. I just that's what I thought, but I don't know. That line that I was talking about a little bit earlier, it's actually into the further you go, and that's just one that stuck with me because I like the way they worded that. It it reminded me a lot of Get Out yeah. when she put him under. Right, and and, and yeah. he was like, you know, she was. She put him into the um, but I don't know. I, again, I like this movie. Uh, it's definitely not one of my top tens. The, but sunken, that's, the sunken place. The sunken place. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and get out. But with this movie, yeah. it's one of the better modern movies. And it, it shows that modern like horror didn't die. No, it's still of, kicking a lot, around. A lot of people were saying that horror was kind of going out the door. But guys like James Wan were really kind of 
you know, making a modern version of classic horror movies and not just copying them. No. And that's what I liked about this one the most. It created new characters. Yeah, I think the only thing that I didn't like about it more so was the ending. So we're at the scene now where the, the father's like looking at the oh, drawings. He found the monster. Right. It's and all red-faced. He's red realizing face. That, that the drawings yeah. now make sense for yeah. what's going on. And yeah. he's like, hey, yeah. call that lady back. Yeah. Changed my mind. Yeah. Right. We found right. our red right. door. Right. We found the red monster man. Right. We found... And the thing is, it's also, if you look at the other drawings, like the horse, this is before he gets to that. This is before he goes into the further. So when he gets into the further and he sees the rocking horse in the further, he calls back to the same drawings. And he goes, he was telling us the truth the whole time. We just didn't listen to him. It's one of those. It's 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 a nice little play on the idea that, and obviously you haven't had kids yet, Nick. But the idea that kids tend to be more, um, almost like dogs, they become more sensitive to this type of stuff. More susceptible. So more susceptible. Well, to I like don't think it's ghosts. they become more susceptible. I think it's the it's they, they don't just, know they don't have the things that block it yet. Right. So as as you become older as an adult, you kind of like start to shut that sort of you stuff. Put up your out. blinders. You put up blocks. As a kid, you're more like when they talk about like imaginary friends. I have an imaginary friend. Well, there's there's a theory that says that maybe they're talking to an actual like spirit, or they have right. Like look at this. Like look at the Shining for an example. When the Shining came out, like that whole idea of Danny and Danny's the friend he talks to, but same idea. Where in the book, the Shining, the book, it was an actual spirit that he talked to using the Shining. In the movie, it was kind of just him talking to himself. I think it was kind of implied. But it's the same idea where like kids tend to like be more susceptible and be, tend to be more receptive to the spirit realm or the spirit side of things. So in this movie, it's a kind of it's a nice little play on that where like why she made him forget is because it was easier to you know prevent it from happening again. Essentially, well, essentially, if he forgot that he could travel, he wouldn't. It would just he would he stay safe. Anymore, he wouldn't right? pass it down. Yeah. Tony was the. Little, why I love the Tony then, was the friend. And then that, crazy bride couldn't take Tony, his body Tony was the friend. you're right sorry I should have known that but but that, that's why also I like the, the astral projection stuff because the astral projection is it gives it more of an element than just he's visited by ghosts or demons or whatever it's no. he's actually removing himself from his mortal self and because yeah. he's a kid he doesn't know the consequences and now every person who has weird dreams can convince themselves that they're, <laughs> they're astral projecting exactly. yeah or like whenever someone has like a, a lucid dream oh, it must be floating and so yeah. back to like the, the startle scare scenes right but it's also the scene coming up here just quickly where they're doing the seance kind of thing oh yeah and yeah. all of a sudden Dalton's there with up his here. hands smashing on yep. the table yep. Yep. I was like holy yeah. smokes and that's, that's kind of like this is where the movie starts to ramp up like this is you've hit the point now where it's actually starting to ramp up a little bit it's becoming a little more in your face so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm for me I'm less inclined to like jump scares like that because I to me I'm watching this and I've seen so many of these movies that I expect that something like that to happen so I'm a, that's just me being me no, that, that, that's true. I, I mean, I made a, a note of that. Like parts where you're still in what I'll call normal mode. In, you're safe in, mode. In, in, feel, in, small, safe. Well, in small, nuanced, like scary shit happens, like right. the kid running through the house. Yeah. Right. Is far more intriguing, scary, more more riveting than when you're full on, we're in horror mode, we're yeah. in upside right. down right. world right. of strangers, stra- stranger things, and we're running around with monsters. Now, any all bets are off, anything yeah. can happen. So right, there's exactly. some true to that. And this you, is once the, he... The story has to take this yeah. progression. No, yeah, it has to get to this point. So I'm not, I'm not faulting it. For no, yeah. but I get your point. And there's this no is, more of that hair-raising tingling. Exactly. Once he's here and he does, he shows that something is clearly not normal. That's the point of no return. This is no longer the normal 
Right, Maybe exactly, he's haunted. Yeah. Maybe he's just a weird little kid. No, we're not. No, he kind of came in out of nowhere while he's supposed to be in a coma, slammed his hand down. We all flipped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some shit went down. Like, that. we can't really just go back to last week at this right. point. No, I know. Something's wrong. Yeah, no, right. You're right. You're right. But a couple little things that I didn't know originally until today when I was looking it up, but the, the composer, Joseph... Bashara, he was the he played the lipstick monster in this movie. Okay, so he's the the main bad guy. Yeah, and he also played Bachiba in the Conjuring. Okay, well, he's great. He's scary as shit. Yeah, so he's so Mister whatever your name is, you're you're scary. So he kind of finds his way into these James Wan movies. He's there's that connection where he there's someone close to right. that he We're gonna with find out he was somebody in Saw set. too. Yeah, he'll probably yeah he's he's in there somewhere. Gets a, gets a discounted rate because they put him in the movie, so they, exactly. get, they get the they get the movie score for yeah. For, yeah. For, hey, for I mean, if, if he gets his name in the credits, throw me in. Yeah. And one last thing that I I saw that was pretty cool that I, I wish would happen, um, just because I'm a I know a lot of people hate these movies, those crossovery, <laughs> mashing random worlds just yeah. for the sake of doing it. Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, I love it. I don't care. <laughs> They were supposed to, at some point, kind of smash Insidious and Sinister together. Now, Sinister is another movie that kind of is similar to certain degrees. It's Sinister one is very haunted much house. Like this. Father kind of brings this upon the family. It's not the house that's haunted; it's the kids that are haunted, and so on and so it's, forth. Yeah, it's a similar it's, enough story that there's Sinister, parallels to it. I mean, this, is, this is a whole other episode in itself, but Sinister is very much a Pied Piper story. Yeah, and there were rumors that there was going to be a crossover called In, in Sinister. And huh. I think, I think with Sinister Two not doing as well as Sinister One had, yeah, it wasn't yeah. as well received. I think it it's still, according to Jason Blub, like in the talks or in the works, or whatever. Regardless, right. it's, if it is, it's still in the very early stages. But it's funny because Ethan Hawke turned down the role the role for Josh, uh-huh. and Ethan Hawke is the main character, in the dad, Sinister. In Sinister. Right. So it's he's like, also in he's also in the Purge, the Purge One too. Which yeah. Is also a Blumhouse movie. So he's he kind of turned down, and they they're both similar roles enough so that. You yeah. could just take one and not have to do both, but it kind of at least leaves the door open for a potential crossover. And there was talks, too, of, of smashing The Conjuring in there, too, but because, uh, what's his name, Patrick, Patrick's, the guy that plays Josh, yes, he's yeah. also Ed, Ed Warren, The Conjuring. It wouldn't right. really so make, it wouldn't sense. make any sense. That You'd have to have him characters. play two different characters that are right. seemingly identical. Right, that would be weird. I like this movie. It was pretty good. The only thing I, the only thing I didn't like about it was I didn't like the, the, the ending of it. I didn't like... I mean, I not so much that I saw it coming because I didn't quite see it coming. I just don't like super cliche setup sequel type endings where it's like, oh, the, the good guy is now the, the bad cakes. guy. More, like, more movies do that than not. Though. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I get you it. Know, the old, yeah. you know, they 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 that murdered the, the the bad guy, the evil, the villain, and then the closing scene is one of his eyes popping open. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And that's and again, that's just me being me. I mean, I, I get it. Like it, that doesn't ruin the movie for me. It's yeah, just, and if the movie works, then boom, there's the perfect sequel. Yes, this is the part where there is there is one other thing that made me laugh. Like, and I know it wasn't supposed to make me laugh, but I laughed out loud. In in in, in this one. In this one, so like at the when he's walking through the further or whatever, and he's fighting with that dead guy or whatever, and she goes, "You're stronger with them than them. You're mortal still, or whatever." And he and he and he. And he kind of like pushes him, and yeah. the monster kind of flies, flies through the away. Air. He goes, yeah. "Oh, yeah, that's very, very cheesy, <laughs> campy." He laughs so hard. It um, so there's I mean, very few things like that where like I get it was supposed to be funny that made me laugh. The, there was a there was a little wonky CGI in this, which is common for an early like a, like a two thousands late to like early two thousand ten, especially a starter. But I feel know, like this... at, I feel like at that point the. Yeah, I mean, for the budget, I can understand it. Like when he's, it's it's when it's this when wasn't a set thing too. Like yeah. it wasn't a Jason Blum presents and people were gonna flock to it. This was still a no. I I get a that. So, 
so I'm, I'm not holding it. Yeah, it. it's just when the it's when the monster is like chasing the boy across, like he's climbing the wall. Mm-hmm. It, you can definitely tell it was like CGI. So yeah. like that that kind of took me out of it a little bit, but yeah, again, I'm not gonna fault it. Because but they, the, that character that was like guarding the door, they didn't really say, like you really never knew what his role was. Right? They didn't dive into yeah, him. Yeah, you didn't get yeah. much about I think him. he's referred to as the long-haired fiend, I think is what the character oh, yeah, yeah. But he like just guards, the, like why is he, does he work? Does he work for does the he, lipstick yeah. guy? What's, yeah. why is, like, he's security. He, he, he didn't do his job very yeah, well. No, he's, yeah, well he's to fired. me, he kind of reminds me, he's, he's, like, he's like Glenn Danzig, dead Glenn Danzig, Glenn, dead Glenn Danzig from Danzig. There's a go, tongue that's twister, misfit style. That's kind of how I... And then there's some things that like you, you have to read into it, or maybe there really was a backstory. But like uh, the the lipstick devil, he's like he's working on a sewing machine, right? Yeah, Isn't he? yeah. Well, he, and well, and oh, then they pan like over to like some his nails. Or oh, is that what he was That's doing? What he was doing. It's like a it's a it's a wheel where he's probably pumping and pumping. Oh, right. like, sharpening, like spinning, spinning wheel. Yeah. yeah. And there's like masks or marionette masks or something that they pan. The little yeah. puppets. So yeah. like. So it's, is that part of like that's what he was like in yeah, his life? Who he is was? That his character? Or, yeah. Yeah, it's very vague. That's the one thing about like this movie is like they didn't do a ton of time setting up the bad guy, and sometimes it works. And I think for this one it does kind of work a little bit because I don't care so much about. I mean, I do and I don't. I don't really. The less care you know, the more ambiguous yeah, he's, and he's scary based on who he is. And no, but that that shows depth. Like I'm going to yeah. show you these random things and let right. you in your head figure out why make the backstory because they didn't have to do that. No, like, what's it the mask just, mean? What's the mask? Right. You know, they showed me, a mask. Like now, yeah. you, now you're creating a character, a backstory. Right. So and to me, that's kind of like. To, to the depth of the characters. It's kind of where he played the Freddy Krueger type. That character is very much a demon Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I've got sharp nails and I'm targeting kids yeah. that are entering the further or a dream world. So it's kind of how I took that character too. So it's kind of like that type of thing. I don't need a ton of backstory. I just know that he's obviously some sort of ghost or demon. Because he's obviously, he's not a ghost. No. He's a demon of some kind. Well, he's so. definitely the, the demon slash devil because they, they reference the hooves and yeah, the, the exactly. goat legs. Right. And, He's got the furry leg, so unless he's you know Greek or something, right? Then he's, he's definitely he's yeah. like half goat. He's definitely, you know? he's definitely. And so the ending, at first I figured that's who came across. I figured that that's who got into the the, the, dad. the dad, but it yeah. was but it was it the was, girl. It was, it was the, the bride. It was the bride who or the, crane. the old woman bride that the, crane. That, the that woman man tri- that's yeah. been trying to get into him since he right, was exactly. a kid. And the thing yeah. is, because. It was subtle. It was kind of subtle in the sense that, like, before he went in, she said, "Don't interact." Get you closer with them. or Don't whatever. Don't get close yeah. to interact with them because that's when you're going to open yourself up for them. To but he come did. In. He had and that he exchange that. with her, exactly. saying, "I'm not, a, exactly. I'm not scared," and, and had like that. that you're and supposed, she you're slowly to, drifts away, but she wasn't. Right, you're supposed to catch that. You're supposed to catch that he's not doing what he's supposed to do. He's not finding his body. She's finding his body. And you think you're like, "Oh, good for he. He stood up for himself. He's right. he faced his demons." And then right. lo and behold, now he. He did not do that. And, at and all. I haven't seen the second one, but I believe it's the next storyline. No, no spoilers. It, yeah, the it next storyline is about is about her, right? That's more. Is she the, the main focus, character? Yeah, the focus is on that character. That um, I think right. the name was Crane or something yeah, like that. I, okay. I, I haven't seen Insidious too, so I don't know. I would I would suggest this series. I would suggest to continue I'll it have to go watch because it. they aren't. It's not a Saw paranormal activity. Any slasher movie, insert slasher movie here. It's not one of those series where they just drastically no, they drop actually, off. Like, add it's kind of like Conjuring, universe, where it's right. it's interesting. It holds similar story, and much like this movie has shown us, it's not just a it's not just some other horror movie that's very cliche. It's got development, it's got story, it's well done. I mean, the, I mean was number two directed by James Wan as well? Because I, I mean, that, so. that typically, as long as like the 
if the sequels are directed by the same person that directed the first one, they tend to be a little bit better because at least they're trying to stay. They're continuing the their vision, own work. Where a lot of times what happens is they'll sell these ideas out. The studio will then run it into the ground, and they'll have just random directors that will come in and, and film the sequels, and they don't really follow the same. Yeah. So um, James Wan directed two. Okay. And then Lee Whannell directed three. three. Okay, well, it's even, but it's then, still better than, than, than just some other random. Yeah, and then the fourth one, um, The Last Key, I believe it was directed by somebody else. I think it was... In what year was the last one? Was it like the last 2018? was or? 18, yeah. Oh, okay. That was, I'm not sure, it, some some other random person. But Lee, Lee Winnell wrote all of them. Yeah. So they are still all that brainchild of the same, you know, yeah. original group that kind of put this together or have you give me the dvds so i can watch them they're definitely they're worth watching i if you end up not kind of being fans of them enjoy watching them still you might not they might not have rewatchability for you but you'll you'll have fun at least continuing stories of these characters no no but they're still as a whole the series is for me i enjoy them all they're very rewatchable for me and it's kind of one of those things, like, when we talked about Saw, I had to go and just watch the Saw series. Now, because we watched one, I'm probably going to have to go home and watch two. I'm going to edit this for tonight or tomorrow. I'm going to watch two watch and three and so doing. on. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll hand them off to you next week. But there, I think there's a lot of rewatchability for me, just because they are shot beautifully. The score is good. The characters are really fun. And I do really enjoy these haunting-style movies. I think with my top ten, I've proved that haunting style movies are kind of my not my forte but i i favor them a little bit more than the slasher just because it's a little less generic but for me this movie in this series is one of those top series for me yeah i'm with you i mean like i said i like this one so i'll have to check the other two out again i don't typically give sequels their due all of the time and i should be better about that but more often than not you're not in the wrong though yeah, more, more often than that. not, they, and I think a lot of it they hit, with the they hit a home run. Just running them into the ground, but yeah, I mean, whoa, whoa, okay, we need ten Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> we, we need to. Speaking of running, <laughs> James Wan, thank and you, James Wan. So, what are your final thoughts on the movie, Kevin? I really liked it. Yeah, I really, I really did. Again, it falls into the category of the kind of movies I like. I, I like the fourteen oh eight, Sixth Sense kind of things. Exorcist, going old school. Mm-hmm. Those were our thoughts about the movie. I think before we sign off, I do want to suggest at least one for you because I know you said you kind of like that creepy, give me that arm hair raising type of feeling. If you haven't watched The Invitation on Netflix yet... I have not. I think it's still on there, but check out The Invitation. It was my number 10 on my top 10 list and people are probably like, oh my God, he's going on about that again. But The Invitation is the last movie that I've ever watched where I couldn't... I couldn't stop watching it. So, and what I mean by that is, like, a lot of times I watch movies at late at night, and some of them, for those, were put me to sleep, and I end up falling asleep halfway through, or I get nodding off, and I'm like, all right, forget, it, I'm done. This one kept me awake. I don't want to say I couldn't breathe, but <laughs> like the level, like the, the level of tension that this movie created is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Because it's not an outright horror movie. It is, but it isn't. And the entire time, the setup is is very much. Oh, you know, this 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 isn't a, I mean it's like an everyday thing anybody would go to, but the entire time you just have this sense of something's not right here, something's not going on here that's not the it's outside the norm. And when I talk about like hitting you with unexpected either jump scares or unexpected just boom, hit you in the face or something, 
this movie's got tons of that. So I would check it out if, if I were you. I'll and, watch it. And give it a shot. One that I would throw out that we just talked about was Sinister. So I don't know yes, if you've seen Sinister, too. seen Sinister as well. I think it's still on Netflix. It's not. I have it on Blu-ray. It's, yeah, it's... It's. I know Sinister Two and I think Sinister One was on Netflix last I checked, but it's that similar feel where the haunted house, whatever. It almost feels dirtier, like grittier. <laughs> no, it, 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 it. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those movies, and I want to cut you off. I know I do this a lot, but <laughs> when I put this movie on for the first time, I was like, oh, oh, this is what we're getting into. Yeah, buckle in. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one to check out. I mean, because when it first starts, it feels almost like a snuff film, and. It's not, obviously, it's a major market movie, but it definitely gives that feeling. You're like, oh my God, they're not, they're going to go, they're going to go places that most movies don't. So it's, it's definitely a one to check out. It was shot, I mean, you, if you told me it was shot within a week, I would believe you because it's, you know, one setting. There's a little bit, there's more gore than this, but it still has to do with that young children getting possessed by yeah, a, a, a character kind of sucking them into yeah, it's a pie unforeseen pie areas. Movie. But it's and it kind of falls into that 1408 thing where the main character is a, a writer and he's trying to research a new role or you know, he's researching a new murder to kind of write his next yeah, he's a true book crime about writer. his he's trying to write his oh, in cold blood right. he's, a, he's a true crime writer gets, so, he gets more than he bargains for yeah. exactly yeah. yes he Check bites off more too. than he chews so Sinister is in the same realm of Insidious that. If you like this, you should like the other one. Sinister's kind of kicked up a notch a little bit more just because there is that a little bit of gore factor. They don't show much, but there's more. There's it's a like lot of Halloween. There's not there's a lot brutal of blood kill, in There's it. brutal killing, but there's it's not like you a, don't, a yeah. gore scene. Right. It's so not, it's more. It's implied, but you it's, know but what's it's, going it's, on. Yeah, now. it's definitely implied. It's definitely yeah. It's a good. It's a good example. Check out Sinister because that one definitely gives you that feeling of just ugh, like I'm just creeped out this entire time. So. So I think that about wraps it up. Any last thoughts or anything like that? No. Thanks I mean, for having me. This no, is fun. This, is, this yeah, was good. We're going to have to again. redo this one. Yeah, we'll definitely do this again. We'll have Kevin on more than more than just this one episode because this, yeah, we'll this is pretty fun. Get three beers instead of one, so that's always and, uh, up our alley. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if we talked about it. I may have talked about it last week. So what I think what we should plan to do next time with him is kind of do one of our first. It came from the streaming services, yeah. so we'll just pick some random B-movie horror off of one of the streaming services, we'll watch it, and then we'll just Gar- gargoyles, we'll talk about it. Gargoyles, yeah, gargoyles, yeah. gargoyles, could be gargoyles, could be sinister, could be you know what <laughs> but, have you. Yeah. If anybody else out there has any ideas or wants us to review specific movies, review spe- yeah, yep. anything specific, Send us that stuff. We'll just leave a comment on Instagram, Facebook, message us or whatever. Just let us know, and we'll kind of we'll do our best to make things happen because well, we got, yeah, we got like I said earlier, <laughs> forty-seven more episodes <laughs> nothing, to go nothing until HHN twenty twenty-one to talk about. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll sneak some news in, but you know you're getting a a real full look of our at our off season at this point. So yep. beer, horror movies, and other scary stuff, and, and we'll, more we'll, more beer and, and other, beer. And other, and other, horror, other horror movies. <laughs> did, I, did I mention beer again? Yeah, we're gonna sneak some I stuff mean, in there, but I we mean, got we got some ideas to keep it other way like this is another one of those episodes that is going to be a reoccurring theme but we're not going to beat it to the ground yeah we'll do we'll, we'll do it once in a while and i'm going to convince nick to do, to do a stephen king specific episode just for my um, sake i want to do a stephen king one but i don't want to do i want to do something out of his top like 10 we'll figure, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure something out i want something that's just barely well, scraping just do, the barrel let's just do all of the worst yeah the worst stephen king stephen king adaptations but either way well, guys, thanks again for listening. And this is Nick. And this is Seamus. It's Kevin. Crafty Beer. Happy Haunts.
again, I would just like to thank Vampire Stepdad for letting us use his music for our intro and outro music. So if you would, just go check him out, Spotify, Facebook. Again, that is Vampire Stepdad.